Hello there, and welcome to Fixing the Sequel Trilogy, the writer's room podcast dedicated to fixing the Star Wars sequels. I'm Bryce Quinn, and this week I'm joined by permanent guest, Cole Forfang Fan. Hello, new co-host of the show here. Yeah, permanent co-host. Thanks for joining us, as always, Cole. Thank you for having me. I'm also joined by the child of Chinchilla, the Outback Spectacular himself, Carmelo Keating. How are you, Melo? That's great. I feel like there's a copyright issue there. Definitely not. No one knows what Outback Outback Spectacular is. That's a specifically Australian reference (laughs) to make. Uh, No, I'm great. Oh, I love that. That's such a glowing... Specifically Queensland reference to make, too, I think, yeah. What a glowing sort of title. I love it. This is Fixing the Sequel Trilogy, and our mission is to rewrite the sequels start to finish and document our progress here in audio form. This week, we're talking heady stuff, the bane of writers the world over, themes and messaging. Did you say heady stuff? Heady stuff. Like heady, like 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 thought-provoking. Big, oh, cool. Big cool, cool, cool. What did you think? Big brain. Big brain. No, no, I wasn't sure. I was like, you know, heady is also like a, like a nickname. Anyways, the themes and messages of Star Wars are something that have been analyzed and pulled apart a hundred times over, and today it's our turn. Let's start at the start where it all began with episode four, A New Hope. I thought that'd be a good place to start. No, that's so good. So we want to do good. original trilogy and then prequel yeah. trilogy. And yeah, no. Like, I just re- realized I didn't tell you that. No, so. that's okay. Well, no, <laughs> let's start with things that have good themes and messages, then backtrack to the prequels, try and get through that, and then get to the sequels. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. So I'm, I've got my notes. You've got your notes. Cole, I think you've got notes. Yeah. I've done yeah. actually a little bit of prep work for this because it's kind of important. I love Okay. Things. Now everyone now we're gonna, shoot. We're going to point and shoot. Yeah. And the last one standing is going to do their themes Bang. first. Okay, cool. I think you, Mellow. I last one standing. I shot you. Oh, I'm oh, dead. You shot me. You're dead, Cole. You're up. Naturally live. Um. All right. Where, <laughs> where do we? Uh. Where do we begin? Um. So a lot of the themes I talk about in at least in my notes are sort of all encompassing because obviously with the trilogies they do have a message. But I think with Episode Four, to go on this idea of good versus evil and light and dark. I will start off by saying episode four is all about a black and white morality of good and evil. Because you ignoring episode five before that ever came out, you had Darth Vader, the Empire, the Death Star, the Death Star, and it right? was one film. Exactly. So the message yeah. and the theme is all. It, it is fun, kind of like it starts. Exactly right. Movie. So you only have this core message of good versus evil. This young farm boy who rises up against the Empire, and that's the way it seems. But we'll get onto that later about what the true message of Star Wars is. Now, good versus evil. Like, what do you guys think about that? Oh yeah, it's absolutely. Like, yeah. That's yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, right. exactly one of the yeah. most common themes in all of Star Wars, and that started mm. in yeah, a new yeah hope. it's the one everyone points out, and obviously hero's journey as well. Yeah, young boy rises. But to... I don't think it's a coming of age story. No, I agree. It's a good versus evil story, yeah. and maybe a tale of courage as well, but not a mm. coming of age story. Yeah, and I think if you were to look at it over the course of the trilogy, that's more that's about growing up and maturing. Yeah, and then yeah. same with with the with the Anakin and the prequels. But maybe not like not just in that one film. Yeah, like he's got a lot mm. of growing to do beyond that one film. Yeah. So. Although I would like to ask on that point, why don't you think it's a coming of age film? Because I did a little <laughs> bit of research, I, like the most uh, lazy amount that I could, and I, I found uh, a, a handy writer's list of themes and subcategories within those themes. And what it's like tales of power, tales of society, tales of good mm. and evil, tales of lover, sate, and tales of coming of age. Mm. And li- looking at the things in coming of age, it is very much about like family and growing up and you know overcoming the challenges that come with adulthood, like moving from childhood into adulthood. And it's honest. It's often a very worldly human story within our human world society. Mm. And I don't think Luke Skywalker's journey falls into that whatsoever. Yeah, I see what you mean. I definitely well, maybe not whatsoever, but just very yeah, little yeah. does it overlap there. Yeah, because I mean, I agree. Like the focus of the film isn't really on just Luke's like yeah. maturing. Um, uh, although I think like there are certain aspects. Like obviously, he loses his family that he knows. Um, yeah, true. And when we see him at the start of the film, he is very naive and young and he wants to go see the universe for himself. Yeah. But then he's thrust into this role of responsibility, which I suppose can be viewed as a coming of age. And that's why I look at a courage story instead. Mm. So, um, and that falls into something that the example given was The Hobbit. 
Yeah. And it's like a, a young hero thrust into an adventure mm. and that hero must kind of just do the thing yeah. as opposed to really inwardly reflect and, and mm. introspect. Um, so it kind of falls into basic storytelling fundamentals. And we've talked about this before, but it's based on mythical epic stories where a young dirt farmer meets a wizard and overcomes great evil. Like mm. that's very much the core foundation of this story and what Lucas was inspired to write in a modern sense in space. Mm. Yeah. Melo, you want to jump in? Yeah, cool. Um, I've got a few on like obviously hope triumphing specifically over over doubt and you know like like the th- feeling of hopelessness um, good versus evil uh, found family yes you know? mm. very much like you know they find this is their group sacrifice for the greater good yes in the case of you know Obi Wan specifically yeah uh, and then stuff to do with the force you know depending on how you take it I think it could be you know like genuine trust in in the higher power itself or the more human one of the belief in yourself yeah. Yeah, I took mm. that in a different direction and like starting with hope, but moving in a sort of different direction with it. So good overcoming evil and war eventually giving way to peace and prosperity. So it's hope yeah. that those things will happen and take place. Yep. Luke specifically looking into the distance, hoping for something more like that is like the, the one of the yeah. best shots ever yep. of him yes. looking at the so sun. And then the Death Star being defeated by a one in a million shot with the only guidance being the force and mm. getting to that mm. point, I arrived at like, I think maybe the force is like just the embodiment of hope. Yeah. As opposed to maybe like a, a direct analogy to actual real world, real world faith, it is a way mm. to kind of like inspire and give hope. Um, yeah. And that's kind of where I landed yeah, with cool. it. Yeah, well, I'd like to add on to that as well, because I think like the whole notion of the force, you know, the idea that that shot is whether or not it's faith in some greater power or... But it's a, a personal desire yeah. to want to go out and achieve something and hoping yeah, for yeah. something more. Yeah, yeah. well, I think Luke's trust in the Force, it, it's both because like all life is a part of the Force in the universe. And by believing in himself, he's believing in this greater cause, this greater notion of interconnectedness with everyone. And I think I want to just grab that point and just say this is why this episode is going to be a bit weird uh, is because <laughs> yeah. it can be all of those things yeah. and it can be one thing because interpretation. themes and messages are about interpretation and we, we've written our notes and they're separate but we're all like already yeah. coming to different yeah. conclusions yeah. and different understandings of it just trying to like put the this art that has been around for so long and has inspired so many people mm. into simple words on a, on a note yeah. so that we can express it to an audience it's it's going to be tricky uh, so bear yeah. with us yeah. it's, <laughs> it's going to be a lot of these kind of conversations it's going to be a film yeah. episode but well, I, I, I love this stuff yeah. so I'm going to do it <laughs> well I think r- right now that presents us with an interesting opportunity to clash what do we think the message of a new hope specifically is Ooh, uh, just like like yeah, if we wanted to really just, narrow it I've down. I've gone each film yeah. has its... Oh, well, the see, I did not do that. Right. I went broad trilogy, so yeah, fair. Yeah. I'm to hear what you guys have. Um, well, this was a theme I forgot to mention, but I think to sum up the message of A New Hope, it's small groups can rise up against great powers. Yep. So, yeah, and even, like, not even just groups, small concepts, small ideas, small things. Like Luke, he's a farm boy, ends up destroying the Death Star, yeah. the biggest space station, bigger than a moon. So I think that's the encapsulation. Yeah, I've of got it. Here's yeah. just something that I didn't do this earlier. So this yeah. is like off the cuff, but I think the the smallest of hopes can overcome the greatest of odds. Mm. That's yeah, cool. Favorite. I think actually, no, we all said it in very similar ways. I said, as, as long as you have hope and community, anything is possible. No, fantastic. Yeah. yeah. There we go. We fixed, we've solved it, everyone. Yeah. That's, <laughs> the sequel that's a new hope. That's a new hope. Yep. yep. We, we solved that. Don't yep. try to interpret it in no, any other way. Not something that people have been interpreting and analyzing <laughs> for literally 30, 40 years since the fucking movie came out. <laughs> so look how good we are at this. No, that's just that's just what we've arrived at just now. So yeah. uh, mm. if, let us know if you disagree because there's so much that you can pull from any piece of art. And I think especially something like this, even if it is a family adventure film, it's something that really does hold a special place in so many people's hearts, yeah. especially mm. like those first original trilogy movies. So. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Shall we move on a little bit? Empire. Empire. All this right. one gets more tricky. I love Empire. Yes, I love so Empire. Deep. It's my favorite Star Wars film. Wow. Now, when I mentioned black and, right morali- black and white morality in episode four, 
I think episode five is an answer to that. Yeah. It's the fact that someone like Luke, who has this very clear vision of the world and the morals within it, is forced to confront with all his beliefs being torn apart and that the world is much more ambiguous than he thought, with case in point being Darth Vader being his father. Yes. So that courage that he learned in the first film that mm. led him to overcome great odds. He's yeah. like, yes, if I just do the thing, if I go out and set my, my mind to something, I can achieve anything. Yeah. It's like, not that works for the cut. first movie. And then the second movie, it's like, hey, new lesson. You yeah. can't just run headfirst into everything. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, in order to become a real hero, you have to let go of your very clear-cut beliefs. My one's, you know, yeah, looking into stuff of, like, you know, recklessness and maturing, you know, trust in the in the higher power and trust in yourself versus mm. more so in this film compared to the first one, the lack of trust and lack, yeah. of, lack of belief. Uh, and then with our B story that uh, love is worth fighting for. We can't forget... B story there with Han, Han and Han, Han and Leia. Han and Leia, yeah. 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 Yeah, well, you know, you uh, don't defeat evil by hating it. You uh, do oh my by God. loving. No, we're not there yet. I mean, hey, look, we're going to get there, and <laughs> it's unavoidable that we talk about that. But anyway, yes. Um, I think we yeah. really start diving into family in this film a lot more than the first one, and like yeah. the complexities of family and how like you can just have these simple good versus evil stories, but at the same time, you can also have complex stories where the answers are not so simple. And Yoda is a really great uh, and like metaphor for that. It was just like a character to drive that idea. And then Vader as well. He also drives that idea. With yeah. That, that whole epic confrontation where he cuts off Luke's hand and yeah, says, I'm exactly. a father. It's like, what do you, how, how are you supposed to interpret that? Yeah. You know? And I think it's, yeah, that whole notion of ambiguity and everything. I mean, like one big thing in the film is just appearances can be deceiving, right? Yes. Like firstly, Yoda's introduced as this great warrior that Luke's searching for. And, oh, there's just this little green guy who's, like, hitting my robot. Get her out of here. Let me exactly find right. Do you know where the warrior is? Yeah. yeah. And then, like, the next notion, you know, Lando, you know, he's this old friend, but he turns out to be untrustworthy and yeah. betrays them. But then he's a good guy. Even just physically, and, Boba Fett and the, uh, the Millennium Falcon and that scene where they, you know, are disguised as trash and fly yeah, away like that. Exactly. That's even, like, yeah. a physical uh, manifestation of that in the film as well. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and the fucking, the worm. Yeah, they, they go into the asteroid yeah, and field the and comes the, out. the worm comes out. Yeah, I'd never really considered it before, but mm. there's so many things that kind of fit into that. Exactly. It's all very um, cohesive. Man, Empire Strikes Back. It's a good so film. Good. It's a good it's film. Good. It's great. <laughs> yes. um, the deepest Star Wars film? The deepest Star Wars film that we think. Yeah. I yeah. personally think it's Revenge of the Sith, and yeah. we'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah, okay. But we'll, yeah, we can debate that as yeah, well. Yeah, I would say that um, Episode Five. I feel, feels like it has the most cohesive, well-executed depth to it. Well executed, I definitely agree. Yes, yes, I agree. It's like a perfect film. I always bring it up as an example. And just that final things. point of ambiguity, the they've lost they Luke's lost his hand at the final. Yeah. They're on the deck of the, the Mon Calamari yeah. ship and they look into the distance. Yeah, but yeah. they've they still have hope. Yeah. But yeah. it's ambiguous. Yeah. There is that level of ambiguity yeah. uh, ambiguity to it, and it's that perfect shot of Luke and Leia looking into the distance and knowing that they're gonna find Han eventually. Yeah. They've lost yeah. Han, but they need to go and find him. And that's exactly that's the yeah. last note of the film, and it's gorgeous I, yeah. I agree with that um but i would say yeah i think the prequels though the themes in the prequels probably are at least are a lot more interesting to me but ah, okay but yeah. i think they wouldn't be as interesting if we didn't have the context of the all the trilogy. things set up in the original trilogy just a bit more on the b, uh, b plot as well because that yes. stuff to do with you know where their journey goes and then stuff to do with lando i think there is like trust is really intrinsic to that you know so okay. han mm. and leia learning to trust each other more you know they do they, they do they, learn yeah. to each other to trust each other a lot more Throughout the course of that film, they become close and yeah. friends and they start making out. Yeah, you know? so, you know, yeah, so, yeah, they, they, yeah, they trust each other, they fall in love. And then here we present to them an obstacle, Lando Calrissian, untrustworthy. Mm. Untrustworthy, very smarmy and slick. Yeah. God, I was watching yeah. some of those clips uh, the other day. I'm like, God, he's so fantastic yeah. in this movie. He's great. So, the message of Empire? Message of Empire. Let's, mm. like, let's, let's nail it down, okay? Well... I, before we get to the message, I would like to say okay, one last thing, because even though I don't think this is the theme of the movie itself, it does lead on to episode six and Star Wars as a whole. But I think 
as a part of this idea of love and compassion, even for your enemies, being the path for the heroes, uh, episode five is all about how hatred leads to suffering. And that's most encapsulated by Luke. Mm -hmm. I mean, his whole training on Dagobah is all about how to be a Jedi, how to accept the Force. But he ends up rejecting the wisdom of Yoda and Obi-Wan, goes to Bespin, and he's defeated because he caved into fear and this hatred of the enemy. And his fear of losing his friends. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. that fear led to yeah, hatred. Fear. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, mine's about if you half-ass your path to self-improvement, mm. if you're impatient, you will never become your best self. Interesting. Mm. I think it's so interesting too because, you know, Luke still succeeds. Like it was the right choice for him to leave Dagobah and mm. not complete his training because he wanted to save his friends. Um, but, his, but the thing is... But he's still like, he still lost. There were still yeah. great consequences. Yeah. He learned a lesson, but had he stayed on Dagobah, been patient, continued to train, everything would have played out exactly the same. Is that true? Mm. Yeah. So yeah. would Leia have escaped with the Millennium Falcon and Lando? Yeah. Aside from the fact that, you know, like all that did, all Luke being there did was distract Darth Vader. As we see Darth Vader doing much of the films, he likes to march around and not really yeah. fully engage with things himself and gets troopers yeah. to do that incompetently. So I think that, yeah, they still yeah, put him away regardless. I agree with that because I feel like the whole message of Bespin is just the fact, you know, that it's this massive defeat driven by the flaws of our heroes. Interesting. Yeah. No, that's really cool. Um, yeah. Oh, okay. Let's, uh, yeah. I came up with a, I was pretty happy with the one I did for a new hope. I've actually got no mm. idea what to do for Empire Strikes Back. It's just, uh, it's trickier. Yeah. If I may trickier. spitball an idea, Go I think it. the message may be the pathway to victory is paved with suffering and sacrifice. That's pretty fucking Ooh. good. I like that. That seems like, like that. that's like a Clone Wars, like <laughs> opening quote before the, every episode. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, I've got nothing. It'd just be along the lines of, you know, like, yeah, su success or victory or overcoming challenge is, mm. diff is more difficult when there's family involved. That's yeah. really bad. Yeah. Uh, kill me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe it's about shedding, like, I guess that black and white morality and blind trust in forces of good and forces of evil. Yeah. I mean, like, Luke's whole motivation up to this point in the series is that he views Darth Vader as the guy who killed his father. Yeah. It's pure evil, and he believes Darth Vader is this unredeemable force in the universe. And then all of a sudden he has to contend with the fact that his whole mission for vengeance is against his father. Yeah, and his own family. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it tears the whole universe apart, really. Fantastic film. 10 out of 10. Let's move on yeah. to a little bit less of a perfect film, say. <laughs> My favorite Star Wars film. Your favorite Star Wars film, Return of the Jedi, episode yeah. 6. This one's really interesting because we've talked about this before. Obviously, the scene with Luke, uh, Vader, and Palpatine in the throne room is one of the most iconic confrontations mm. in any movie series ever but the han and leia stuff gets left in the dust a little bit yep. yeah and that's kind of you know this originally tied together the entire trilogy and was the epic conclusion uh at the time people were a little bit disappointed by the ewoks but i think overall it was positively received and people really mm. loved the movie i i like the ewoks but i think it should have been kashik yeah so it was originally kashik with yeah. wookies and then they changed it to ewoks on endor yeah. to make it a bit marketing. more family friendly and marketing yeah it's but, an interesting uh, story, but yeah. But I mean, Ewoks are cool. Now, what so. notes do you guys have to dive into here for Return of the Jedi? So, themes: redemption through sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Let's come mm. come back around with this one. Uh, love conquering hate, uh, finding self resolution. You know, Luke is kind of in a dark place all the way up until you know he he takes Vader's hand and he realizes that you know, okay, a Sith would continue to fight this, but you know, I'm a, I'm a Jedi. You know, this is this is okay. Uh, and then importantly. Um, found family and the, and the bloodline that you choose to accept. No, I think we really do get the thematic conclusion to this idea of family and loving your family so much that you can overcome any evil. Good versus evil, literally, like, good wins. Yeah. yeah. Good really, truly does win. Luke fully embraces who he is. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. One of the coolest lines ever. 
still yes. like come back to that line all the time. And you get that really satisfying conclusion there. Yeah, I'd like to posit the theme of there is darkness within everyone, but there is also a light within even the darkest souls. And the reason I say that as well isn't just because it's very clear from Star Wars and all the things that Jedi talk about, but it's also Star Wars is based on Hero with a Thousand Faces, right? It's directly ripped from the hero's journey. But a lot of people don't really point out that the hero's journey is just ripped from Jungian psychology. And Carl Jung, one of the things he always talked about was this idea of the shadow and how everyone has these repressed flaws within them that we try to ignore. That's why it's the shadow. We don't see it. And when that's left unchecked, it manifests and it like swells up like a damned river. But What's really interesting in episode six, right, is Luke, when we first see him, he enters donning full black, uses force force chokes. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And the whole point of that is Luke has the exact same darkness within him that Vader has. It hasn't fully come out yet, but in the same point, Darth Vader has the same amount of light within him that Luke does. And I think that force stroke is a perfect setup for what happens later where... Luke is just wailing on his father with his lightsaber mm, or like exactly, he, he, goes, yeah. he goes nuts. He really like hulks yeah. out and, and goes and almost gives into the dark side and then he stops and he realizes. Mm. And at that moment, does he only truly become like a light side character who has confronted the shadow within himself and overcome it and, you know, throws down his lightsaber and says, I am a Jedi like my father before. Yeah, me. exactly. And truly good versus evil. Uh, good overcomes evil there. On that notion of, you know, seeing the darkness, I think for a character like Luke, you know, like you can't just repress darkness. And I think that's what the prequels are all about. It's yes, about absolutely. this dogmatic notion that you have to repress. This I'm thing. so excited to dive into the prequels. Yes, um, but um, in the case of Luke, you know, he doesn't, in my opinion, he doesn't really become a Jedi until he sees that darkness within himself. Yeah. Um, and one final point there with Darth Vader, the shadow, he has really embraced the shadow. He has been mm. evil for so many years now. Yeah. But even he has that spark of light within him. Yeah. And he is able to redeem himself and sacrifice himself for the greater good, tying that thematic conclusion mm. as well, going back all the way back to uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi in A New Hope. He sacrifices himself, helps his son to overcome evil, and then dies sacrificing himself. And it's perfect. Perfect with that yes. thematic conclusion to all of that. Uh, and then Han and Leia. But <laughs> yep. yeah, anyway. yeah, so there's your th- your themes, your thematic analysis. I've got one more thing, but uh, okay. we've been talking too much. Oh, no, I'm just ready to go into messages. Mm. I've really just like speed ran my, okay. my theme. My myself. one last note is for the Han and Leia. Of, it's obviously not as well baked uh, of a kind of end point to their story in the series. It's good. I, I like it, but it's not as good as like the incredible scene we get on the throne room. Yeah. But Han and Leia working with the Ewoks. The Ewoks are literally had this pointed out to me a while ago by you guys. They are the floor in Palpatine's plan. They help yeah. Han and Leia yeah. escape the Empire and defeat the Empire on Endor, which then helps them win the entire fight. So tiny sparks of hope overcoming mm. great odds, I think, yep. is amazing. Yeah. Small groups yeah. can defeat evil. Small groups yeah. can defeat great evil. I suppose there's, uh, yeah, there's also with that a sub-theme, uh, which is that quote again, that uh, overconfidence uh, is a weakness. Yeah, no, what's the what's that's the that's, that, that's that's palp- that's um, Luke, Luke your, and Palpatine having a bitch fight. You know, your yeah, overconfidence is your weakness. Yeah. Your faith in your friends is yours. Yes, mm. um, yeah, yeah. which has never come around yet. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. we want to we want to explore the, mm. that specific line a little bit in the sequel trilogy if we yeah. get a chance to. But yeah, Be cool. Messaging, messaging. What do you got? Love for the family you choose to love can save even those who appear beyond help. Well, I think um, I already set it up in episode five discussion, but love and compassion, even for your enemies, is the path. Hatred only leads to suffering. Yeah, I think just like speaking to like all of those points, your guys is kind of like I in a writing class I took, it was the director's statement is kind of what you guys mm. are hitting me with now. Yeah, the me- yeah, yeah, yeah. It's when you the- try and like take 
all of the ideas and everything possibly presented in a film and squish it down into one. Well, line, yeah. Which is, you know, sometimes uh, can be a reductive thing, but also can can free mm. you in a sense, in in a writing sense. It's complicated. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. It was, I don't fully understand uh, it. I've just because I did, you know, I didn't do film in high school. I did drama, and they, mm. all of the uh, theoretical assessments and analysis there is based around the dramatic meaning, which is the yeah. same yeah. as the message. The director statement, dramatic yeah. meaning. Yeah, and that was like, you know, you got to go craft a fifteen hundred word assignment around, you know why if you're going to go break down anything why it serves that one line yes. so it's you know it's your hypothesis yeah your yeah, yeah statement you've got to have you know, yeah, yeah um I, I agree with that um i did drama as well and that was so eye-opening to me and to me storytelling is all about philosophical conflict what is the opinion or the philosophy at debate in this story yeah and how does each side reflect that and I think to me, Star Wars is, yeah, it's that notion of good versus evil. You have all these different viewpoints on whether or not it is black and white, whether or not it's gray. And that's what makes it so dramatically compelling to me. Yeah. Awesome. So that is Return of the Jedi Episode Six and the original trilogy. It's simple in a sense. It's like so sur- mm. it's surface level. But if you do, there is space to dive in deeper to the themes and messaging and what's actually going on beneath the surface. Yeah. And I, I really love that. Uh, yeah. Especially about the later two movies as well. Mm, yeah. Well, I'd like to add on that note of simplicity. Coming back to the whole idea of like Jungian psychology, like Jung always talked about archetypes and how in our stories, you know, we have these clear cut figures of like mentors. The seven old... stories, right? That's his thing? Uh, yeah, the seven archetypes. Seven, yeah, seven yeah, archetypes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think there might be nine, maybe. I'm not sure. Yeah. But yeah, and on that point, it's great stories can seem very simple, but it's through simplicity that you can derive very deep meaning. I think we've covered the original trilogy pretty well. Um, we've got fair amount of time okay. to dive into the prequel trilogy <laughs> before we make it to the sequels and talk about what our themes are that we want to bring to those in our rewrite, but we're too excited about prequels. So let's dive into it and get through it as fast as we possibly can, okay. even though there is so much to go into. Phantom Menace. Oh, I've got a backtrack there. Hold on. Okay. Did I skip the... Someone else go. Someone else go. I'm just going to quickly kind of uh, give a bit of context. So with, in very stark contrast to the original trilogy, the style of the prequels is epic scale storytelling with the story spanning over 20 years, encapsulating the rise of the separatist movement, the beginning and end of the Clone Wars, and the fall of the Republic. Huge, epic scope, massive scale, and very much for me falls into different categories of storytelling and different styles and themes. Uh, I feel like it's a love versus hate story, and it's a story about power and a story about society, which is very different to what we got in the original trilogy. Anyone got any notes for that? No, I think that's great. No, yeah. All right. (laughs) Like anything to like build off of Um, Believing in the strength of individuals gives them power in the face of great doubt. Mm. Uh, so specifically talking about, you know, the belief in Anakin when the Jedi are saying, no, he's never going to be anything. Belief in Jar Jar when his society has rejected him. Yeah. Padme's belief that this small band of heroes can, you know, without the assistance of, of Coruscant can take back and liberate their planet. Yeah, no, Phantom Menace kind of does have a bit of a, them- a different thematic vibe in, in what's like trying to be said there because I think Attack mm. of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith are two parts of one very big, very good story. Yeah. yeah. Um, but Phantom Menace, uh, a lot of people ask the question, why even write Phantom Menace? Why even make that the film? Because yeah. it's almost like it starts before the actual beginning of the story. Yeah. It's yeah. like Anakin's a child here. Why are we seeing Darth Vader as a little kid? It was very confusing yeah. at the time when it happened. I um, Like, for fair warning, Phantom Menace is probably my least liked Star Wars movie, but I do think it is very important because uh, the prequels really explore all about how the Jedi went wrong, how yeah. the galaxy fell. And honestly, Qui-Gon is the most important part of that. Yes. Because he's the one Jedi we see who kind of rejects the Jedi code and, in my opinion, is the only one who actually explores his beliefs in the Force truthfully because we see that the Jedi become very dogmatic. And even though, yes, they have thousands of years of wisdom behind them, it seems to me like it's wisdom that they themselves haven't uncovered. And, you know, Qui-Gon, he rejects it. He believes in compassion. He sees, He's the only 
Jedi who actually sees that Anakin is the chosen one. Mm. And that's really important to set up, in my opinion. He's much more akin to Luke. You know, he's the Jedi that sees the good in people. Yeah. Um, and sees the potential. And understands the potential. Like, it, it's complex. Human emotion mm. and feelings and life is very complex. And it's not as simple as dogma. You cannot be Mace Windu. You cannot just say, here is the code. The code is everything. Yeah. And anything outside of the code is wrong. And it leads to fear, to hate, to, to the darkness. And it, ju yeah. it just is not as simple as that. And you need to look outside of that to find truth and wisdom. Mm, yeah, and I, I definitely agree. And once again, I think we get this notion of black and white morality coming back up. Yes. Like for one, obviously the Jedi are a big example of that where anything that's susceptible to the dark side, they repress rather than acknowledge. And I think Anakin, to me, he seems like Luke gone wrong because he starts off in a very similar place, obviously Tatooine being yeah. a big example, but he has this very black and white view of the world being good and evil. And yeah, he's a dumb little kid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Size of a pumpkin. Yeah, but that's precisely why he falls. So yeah, with I think Qui-Gon is like a really good character to look at if you're looking at the themes of the story because he is, it's so fascinating. He is the one character who looks outside of the Jedi Code who saw the prophecy yep. just before, in, in canon, there's the book and he finds the prophecy with Obi-Wan, right? Yep. Mm. Yeah. And that's just before the events of The Phantom Menace and he's like at the very edge of discovering what Palpatine is up to and then he fights Darth Maul and then he dies. Yeah, the person yeah. who's the wisest. The person yeah. who's the wisest and the one person who could have saved Anakin yeah. from his fall to the yeah. dark side. That's uh, the Jewel yeah. of the Fates. Yeah, yeah and yeah. That, that's why it's the Jewel yeah. of the Fates. That's why it's the name of the song. Mm. Um, and I've just got chills thinking about yeah. how yeah. bloody cool that is. And in, yeah, in the grand scheme of like the prequels, people question, you know, like, why does it exist? Why we go this far back in time? The beginning of Anakin's journey is the beginning of the end. Yes. From the get-go, yeah. the Jedi don't want him. They don't believe in him. Obi-Wan doesn't want him, except for the fact that he keeps a promise to yeah, Qui-Gon, and the mm. one person who believes in him dies. Yes. So. And I think this really ties into what is a core theme in a lot of stories of power and society, which is the role of religion in society. And specifically, I think George Lucas was looking at probably the Catholic Church yeah. and their role and how in ingrained they were in society for so many, like a thousand years, two thousand mm. years. And how much they affected everything and how their dogma led to the fall of the Roman Empire. Yeah, yeah. honestly, if you were to take that example, like, Wygon is like good Catholics who just believe in good morals. Yes. Mm. And then the Jedi are. Like, yeah, let's the, look the not at the dogma and the institution. Let's look at the core of the faith and what's trying to be said here. Yeah. And you realize, you know, if Jesus was alive today, he'd be a socialist and he'd be brown. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and a lot of the people in America would kill him. Yeah, I hope this gets to Texas. I really hope it does too. <laughs> Um, yes. And I've heard that point. I've had that pointed out to me by much smarter mm. people online. And it is that role of religion in society. It is yeah. Qui Gon and his. He would have been the one person who could have saved Anakin there. Yes. But it is specifically the Jedi Order at the time who gets in the way of this of the good outcome happening. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I have a couple of points on that. Um, like I think on this idea of where is religion's role in society. The first point, um, which comes a bit later, is the fact that the Jedi Order become politicized and they mm -hmm. try to get involved with politics. And I think Lucas is pretty clear that he's trying to advocate for a secular take on religion. Yeah, separation of um, church and government. Exactly, yeah. yeah. But also on the second point, I think it comes back to this notion of where does wisdom come from? Because Qui-Gon, you know, he, all the lessons he's learnt, he's learnt, he's discovered from himself. And although I agree that this is a criticism of the Catholic Church and stuff, um, in part, it's not yeah, entirely. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. That's why I want to also raise, because um, this is something most people in the West don't really know. This is a very similar debate in Buddhism as well, because you get a lot of these um, temples and institutions that start to get powerful and kind of lazy spiritually, and they become dogmatic about teachings when the whole core of Buddhism really is just uh, learn for yourself, take teachings that matter to you, and so on and so forth. And applying that to the Jedi, you know, you see these Jedi who become very cozy, 
they don't really understand the teachings. They're not uh, in the pursuit of spiritual enlightenment. Yeah. They're in the pursuit of mastery of the force yes. and mastery of their own power within society. Exactly. And I think most importantly to add on that, they're not actually compassionate. Yes. Qui-Gon is. And later on in the prequels, when you start to see Anakin really grappling with his thoughts of Padme dying and all the other things that start to tear him away from the Order. Whenever he goes for advice, you know, the Jedi are always like, oh, you know, like death is a part of life and so on. So Just forth. let go. Don't exactly. think about it. Yeah. And even though that wisdom might be true, they're not actually meeting Anakin on the level that he is at the moment. They're yeah. not discerning what he actually needs in that moment. In the simplest terms, he's a teenage boy who cannot re- yeah. regulate his emotions yeah. and he needs help and support. Yeah, and yeah. they're not compassionate. Realize another theme within Phantom Menace, therefore. Yeah, let's um, wrap up Phantom Menace. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just, um, expectation and pressure mm. because that's it's from that first film that they established. Hey, we think that you're the chosen one, one, and when you think forward to then the other films, you just like you know. So if he hadn't been the chosen one, he would have just been a Jedi. And if he'd been a Jedi who was just in love with Padme, then he could have rejected all this shit, gone down a good path, been in love, had a good life. Poor guy. Yeah. But yeah. because he's the chosen one. Mm all this expectation, all this pressure. Yeah. And there is also that element of the prophecy as well and how that yeah, ties yeah. into the themes. And I also think um, that idea of the chosen one and like, although that also plays into free will versus fate, I think identities are an attachment and that's something the Jedi don't realize because when the Jedi create this attachment to Anakin as the chosen one, they create expectations around him. They say, hey, this is what you need to be. This is where you're going to end up. And then all of a sudden when he acts out of line, you know, they're, because their idea of what he is, their attachment to his identity shatters, it causes suffering. That's one thing that I think Luke learns eventually on when he learns lessons of Yoda. Oh, his appearance is deceiving. He's not just a great warrior. He's more than that. The lesson to learn is that the Jedi didn't actually understand what attachments were. Yeah, they yeah, had a very reductive, simplistic idea yeah. of what an attachment is. So we do need to start moving on, though, because yes. we've got to get to the sequels at some point. Sure. The examples I found that fit for me in terms of other works of art that kind of fall into love versus hate uh, and power in society is Romeo and Juliet and dystopian fiction, like 1984. Mm. In Attack of the Clones, we see Anakin and Padme fall in love. We see Anakin confess his love to Padme. And then in the, in the same vein as Star Trek, Star-Crossed Lovers, we see Anakin then choke and nearly kill Padme in Revenge mm. of the Sith. And that is so Shakespearean. And yeah. then you see, I'm jumping ahead here, but you see Anakin fighting Obi-Wan, brother against brother. That is literally Shakespearean writing. Yeah, and that's the inspiration that he took. And I think Romeo and Juliet's a great way to look. Yeah. And then 1984 is much more of Palpatine's story and power and the mm. role of religion and of the rise of authoritarianism yeah. and how that takes shape and how you can have war be used as a vessel for corrupting an entire society. Yeah, no, I agree. There's what yeah. I've got. Yeah, no, dude, yeah. <laughs> Revenge of the Sith is like, Macbeth and a whole bunch of other things yes, thrown together, yes, and that's yes. why it's awesome. Yes, so yeah. good. Um, yeah, no, Attack of the Clones. Yeah, themes. Forbidden love, obviously. Forbidden love. Yes. Uh, a lot of the marketing was all about yeah. that. Fear of the unknown. You know, Obi-Wan and the Jedi, afraid of the Sith, Cypher DS, all those great mysteries, and then Anakin, afraid of... The loss of his mother. Yeah, his mother. You know, yeah. or, you know, yeah. not knowing for so long what happened to her. If you give in too much to any emotion, your emotions will control you and your decisions. Yes, yeah. and as much as we know, we, we think there was a condemnation of the Jedi's doctrine in this period, that is still true. If yeah. you give in to fear and anger, you yeah. will lose yourself to Yeah, it. and I, I agree. That's why I think the whole Jedi Order in the prequels is so fascinating to me because I feel like a lot of their wisdom is true, but they just don't know how to execute it properly. It's like they've so, gone too far into the scale yeah. of, okay, if fear and anger leads you down the dark path, let's entirely remove exactly, ourselves from right. all emotions, including love and compassion. Exactly, yeah, because that, that's the thing. There's even this line where um, Anakin's like, 
Well, you know, the Jedi say I can't love people, but they advocate for compassion. So yeah. is love not compassion? And I think that really... And I think, also, fun fact, yeah. I think Ki-Adi Mundi uh, canonically fucks. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, his species, his is, species endangered. is endangered. So he's like yeah, yeah. got like he's a allowed. bunch of concubines or something. Yeah, but it's <laughs> like, you know, no, no emotional yeah. attachment. No emotional attachment. Ki-Adi Mundi, what are you getting up to today? Oh, you know. <laughs> I got a lot of fucking yeah, to do. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. So I just wanted to throw that in because yeah, I just that, think that's a really that's funny... That's hilarious. I've completely forgot about that. I also hate Ki-Adi Mundi because yeah. he's such so a cool. dick. And the idea yeah. of he him having these poor ladies, or however their species reproduces, hanging around him and having this emotionless soulless dickhead anyway i don't like he is a dickhead look at that head yeah oh my god we don't even insult the man's appearance but yeah yeah we'd like to formally apologize to kiati mundi um yeah i don't give a shit about you or what about the droid attack on the wookies sorry about that uh non sequitur let's get back to what you're Um, saying cole what was i saying i'm sorry uh you give me one sec one sec one sec uh oh yeah um yeah once again we're coming back to attachments yes and in the case of the jedi order you know to draw back on the obvious parallels that Lucas pulls from like Hinduism and Buddhism and all that, when they discuss attachments, the idea isn't that you repress it. And much like in Jungian psychology, when you repress things, you're not actually getting rid of them. You're just turning a blind eye to them. So they'll grow within you. And, and that's why, you know, sometimes when we get angry or frustrated, we're like, where did that come from? And it's because it's something within There's us. There's a source we, somewhere. Yeah, like exactly. there's somewhere that's coming from and you've got to, you know, yeah, you've got to not repress these things. Exactly. And yeah, and it's why we also project so much onto other people. But in the case of the Jedi, they start to repress these things. They say, hey, you know, don't like look at it non-judgmentally. Don't let it pass. Just don't even acknowledge it. And because of that, they turn a blind eye to so many things. It's one, why Anakin is able to kind of get away with that stuff. Two, it's why no one senses Palpatine coming back because mm. they're all blind and out of touch with the Force. And for Anakin... Because they tell him to repress things, they don't actually teach him why the wisdom is important. Yeah. And honestly, I don't think they truly understand why. Yeah, it's a good yeah. point. No yeah. Um, yeah. Re- are we in Revenge of the Sith? I think we're still in Attack of the Clones. Do you have anything to kind of like wrap that up before we move on to Revenge of the Sith? I think we're hitting it on the head. Yeah. It, they kind of flow into each other, though. They very like, much yeah, do. Cause and effect. Like I said earlier, yeah, I yeah. feel like they're two parts of a very long story. And, yeah. it, you know, mm. it's one it starts with the, the beginning of the Clone Wars. Yeah. And then at the beginning of Revenge of the Sith, we see the end of the Clone yeah. Wars. Yeah. So. Jumping into Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. When I said earlier that I think the prequels has the best execution of thematic imagery and symbolism, mm. there is two things in particular. The entire f- fight between Obi-Wan and Anakin yep. on Mustafar yep. is one of the most incredibly compelling thematic visual images I've ever seen. Yes. Yep. And literally fighting amidst lava in the wreckage of a burning castle yep. or a burning factory, the industry that was the fulcrum of the entire war in pieces all around mm. them that they are fighting on incredible yeah um and then they're you know the betrayal that anakin feels against obi-wan coming to a head and them fighting each other and anakin being cut into pieces and becoming a robot <laughs> yeah. becoming this horrible cyborg monster and then we have palpatine and yoda battling in the senate and palpatine literally using the chairs that comprise the senate room throwing them at yoda as he destroys democracy yes. in that final battle yeah St- Unfucking believable. <laughs> it's yeah, insanely it's good. So good. And the music playing the um, whole time. I think it's Jewel of the Fates. And then the original song yeah. that Battle um, of the Heroes. Yeah. Battle of the Heroes as yeah. well is playing on uh on Mustafa. So yeah. Oh, mm. oh my god. I know, yeah. That's um slight interjection. Sorry. Go but, for it. Um I remember when I was watching I did a, a rewatch of the prequels like a year and a half ago, I think. And I was so deftly bored during Phantom Menace. Um <laughs> This pod race uh, God, what do you mean? It's a pod I race. don't like the pod racing scene. It's cool, but it's Wrong. not for me. I know, I know, I know. No, I'm joking. It's got no thematical story uh, meaning, but got fuck it's cool. Um, although it sets up his piloting skills. <laughs> um <laughs> Attack of the Clones. Surprisingly I enjoyed it more. I still thought it was kinda of boring. But the idea of Obi Wan having a whole detective noir storyline. It's is fun as hell. Oh yeah, awesome. it's so yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and I wish they focused more on that. Yeah. Um 
but Revenge of the Sith, so well paced. Like, it's a good shockingly movie. Shockingly well. It's a really good movie. Yeah, I, I was, stand by Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, I was like, where the hell was this the whole time? Mm, yeah, exactly. And, like, even though I think, yeah, the dialogue's kind of shoddy and all that. Oh, yeah, still. There's still a lot. Of, the flaws of the prequels are there. It definitely is the best of the prequels. And to come over to the themes, an obvious one is if you value security and safety above all, tyranny will follow. Hey, no, that's a really good point. Mm. And that ties back to talking about the rise of authoritarianism yeah, and, and the role of religion and how yeah. that all ties together. And people, they saw this war and Palpatine did the war intentionally because he yeah. knew how much that would destabilize everything. Yes, and, and he was fighting both sides. He was pitting both sides against yeah, each yeah. other like Beyblades. And he saw how this would weaken everything. Yeah. He, he saw how it would terrify people and he wanted to use that fear to control them. So instead of prioritizing freedom, they wanted only safety and security. Yes. And that's, it's, that's why Palpatine won. Yeah, as you pointed out, it's that notion of fear again, right? And yes. it's the fact that when people start to cave into fear and really grip onto it and hold onto it, um, you end up getting cases like Anakin where it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy that Padme dies, that he turns to the dark side, all because he started to fear it. And because of that, he lost control of himself. So I've got being forced to repress your emo emotions mm. and ignoring problems can only lead to chaos. I think something we've um, kind of forgotten to touch on as well is corruption and manipulation. Yeah. I think there's some really mm. interesting dynamics between Palpatine and Anakin in so many of those scenes where he's manipulating him and even grooming in a, in yeah. a sense because yeah. it's been since Phantom Menace when he was a child that Palpatine has had this really strange relationship with with Anakin, uh, and it's just really disturbing. And then you get these scenes where it's so close to Anakin overcoming that that manipulation, yeah. where he's looking at, he's like, "You're the Sith. You're yeah. the one I'm supposed to kill." And he nearly does it. He mm. nearly kills him, but he is just so he's been corrupted this yeah. like, for so long. And through the lack of interest shown by the Jedi, the lack of care and compassion shown to Anakin, yeah. that manipulation and that corruption succeeds. Yeah. Yeah. It's What's... not his fault because he was a kid. Yeah, it, but... it really wasn't his fault. Yeah, it's almost like a dark mirror of the whole message in the original trilogy where, you know, appearances are deceiving, great yes. morality. But in Anakin's case, you know, he's confronted with evil, but it's so much kinder to him than um, the supposed forces of good he always looked up to. And I think one of the scenes that always really, like, fascinates me is right before they go to arrest Palpatine and he tells Mace Windu that Palpatine is the Sith Lord. And Mace Windu's like, all right, stay here. And the implication is that when Mace Windu comes back, he's going to let Anakin onto the, the council. But the problem is that Mace Windu's always so cold. It's too um, little, so too late. Heartless. Exactly, yeah. And he never even lets Anakin know that, like, all right, we're going to check this and then, you know, we'll consider you for the council. Yeah, like, I believe you, I trust you. You have to stay. He yeah. does not say those words, does yeah. he? No, no, no. I'm saying like, you know, if he'd said that. No, that's exactly yeah, 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 yeah. But the, what yeah, he says like, instead, he's like, we don't trust you. We will go check this out ourselves. Mm. You stay yeah. here. You're too close to the case, basically. Yeah, 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 is, yeah. is what he says to Anakin in that scene. Yeah. And then Anakin's like, no. <laughs> and he yeah. chases them because he hasn't been shown the trust. Exactly. He hasn't yeah. been believed in and, by the council. Yeah. And they're just not compassionate to him once yes. again. And like on that whole notion, you know, he wants access to the Jedi text so that he can save Padme. And that would never be a problem in the first place if the Jedi weren't repressing romance, love, or even if they were able to meet Anakin with at least a sense of empathy. I yeah. think you need compassion. I think it's essential exactly. to any kind of functioning society or individual yeah. relationship. Exactly. And it's why Luke wins in the end, because he's Has it. compassionate. Yeah. I had some things around, yeah, like corruption of the once pure, uh, corrupted perspectives, yeah, seeking support in the wrong arms. No, and yeah, just the corruption of Palpatine being there the entire time yeah. and worming his way through the Senate. You get to watch his his mm. his plan kind of uh, form up. And I think a really great uh, expression of that corruption is in his attempted assassination of Padme. Yeah. Because he goes through so many intermediaries. Does it make total sense? No. But the point is that he sent one person to send a one person to send one person to send a little squid, uh, a little slug thing to go and kill Padme. And trying to trace that back 
before, Obi-Wan was damn near impossible because this guy is so good at using intermediaries and working from the shadows and being that puppet master. And the whole time, he's right under their nose in the Senate, working his way up through the ladder to the top of the political hierarchy. That corruption, I think, is just fascinating to watch. And it's, it's, it's Palpatine's story. Uh, it, as much as it's Anakin's, I think yeah. it's Palpatine's yep. story. And then to link it back to, you know, this will be our setup then going forward into the original trilogy, uh, failing your loved ones, failing your family. And that's that's from mm. all perspectives. That's Anakin failing Padme and Obi-Wan. That's Obi-Wan failing Anakin. Yes, absolutely. He says, I have failed you. Yeah. It's, it's the truth. That yeah. is exactly what George Lucas wanted to say because he wrote it in dialogue. And that's yeah. how we know. Because uh, yeah. <laughs> he tells us. It's great. So on the nose. <laughs> no, there's a, if you're interested in learning more about uh, Lucas's approach to dialogue, which I'm not saying is like perfect by any means, there's a really great video essay yeah, called that. George Lucas, the master of wooden dialogue. Wooden dialogue. Yeah. It's uh, uh, so uncivilized. We love that guy. He does oh, a yeah, really yeah, great, yeah, great yeah, I, um, It's a very, very good video. Yeah, I remember watching that a while back. And even though I'm, I don't know if I fully agree with the hypothesis, I think it is a great video. It definitely gave me a lot of perspective on yeah, like, oh, it. it's not necessarily like, it doesn't make it good, but it yeah, but definitely like, changes my opinion and gives me a bit more respect for the Yeah, writer. I mean, like, Lucas is a very heavy-handed storyteller. He yes. does not, like, he does not really hide his themes under subtext or anything like that. No. It's very clear-cut. So, just one last note before we use this to springboard into our themes for the sequels, um, and also a criticism of what the sequel themes currently are. We have always had the opinion that the original trilogy is a traje trajectory for Luke upwards towards like a true paragon of good. He starts, you know, middling, whatever, kind of a bit selfish and a bit arrogant. And he ends the story rejecting his shadow and fully taking in the light and being a paragon of good. The opposite is the truth for Anakin. He starts the story as a very happy-go-lucky kid and ends Darth Vader. And that's the end of his story. And it's a full trajectory downwards for him. And I think what we've talked about a lot is doing with our secret trilogy, we want to have it a, a bit more in the middle. We don't want it to be one line up or down. We want mm. it to be a bit confusing how reality really is. But yeah. mm. before we talk about that, we want to criticize the actual sequel films <laughs> and what they did wrong with their themes. So does anyone want to start? I got yeah, a funny well, little thing. But yeah, I suppose this is more of a criticism and uh, an idea. I think really what the sequel should be about is a defense of like, Putting all the lessons learned from the prequels and the original sequel, uh, the original trilogy, um, putting them to the test. Yeah, for okay. sure. And um, defending them. So you know, when we get democracy returned, you know, it has to defend itself against fascism. Yes. Um, when Luke learns all this spiritual wisdom, he has to um, learn that it will come under criticism. It won't. There is no one final solution. Yeah, it exactly. has to evolve. Yeah. Yeah, but it's uh, even though that faith is tr like that wisdom is true, I think it needs to be tested. Yes. To prove yes. it's true. Absolutely. I have some very quick notes here. Let's what went it. wrong with the sequel's themes? Force Awakens has no theme. The Last Jedi <laughs> has too many themes. And The Rise of Skywalker made me forget what themes are, as well as a bunch of other brain cells <laughs> nice. that I'll never get back. So the the thing is it was easy, very easy for me to find themes, very face value themes okay, for Force Awakens, it, yeah. but mm. the message. Okay. Yeah, I didn't think there was any driving message in Force Awakens. No, so, I know, definitely didn't feel that way when I was thinking exists about to it. Exist. You know, like, you know, awakening to your own potential very obvious in the title yeah uh you know internal conflict the found family stuff mm. rejecting versus accepting family ties that sort of thing but as for yeah. the message the closest thing i could find was something along the lines of like you know your friends are the family you choose and they're mm. worth fighting for something really just Ugh. basic there's yeah. nothing really going on there. yeah no yeah. there really isn't a whole lot to dive into mm. the surface of force awakens i think it is a very shallow and unfulfilled story yes uh, I agree. I'm going to play devil's advocate. I think that there are some clear-cut themes to The Force Awakens, even though I don't agree that they're explored well enough in depth. But, I mean, one, obviously, this is the kind of the core theme of the sequels. It's legacy. 
how do people of like our generation, for example, look in the past? Um, we get Kylo, you know, basically just cosplaying and stuff. He's a fanboy, yeah. Yeah, we get like Ray looking at Han Solo with like, oh my god, you're the rebel hero and all that. Yeah, and people are forced to contend with the past and that the fact is that the past does change. Our heroes often aren't as perfect as we... Yeah, like never meet your heroes kind of thing. Yeah, which is kind of whole thing about The Last Jedi. <laughs> yeah, that is definitely a theme of yeah. The Last Jedi that we're going to talk about. Mm. Yeah. Man, you got anything more? No, no, not for Force Awakens. Yeah, I think mm. we can wrap up yeah. Force Awakens there. Yeah. I'm not yeah. a big fan of Force Awakens. Yeah. The more I watch it, the less I like it. The problem with the sequels can be encapsulated with the fact that The Force Awakens just resets everything. Yes. Because, like, one theme I think is important is the idea that everything changes. Nothing is ever the same. And that's kind of like the lesson Luke learns, right? That appearances are deceiving, people change, so on and so forth. Redemption. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yes. The sequels, you know, they try to say that, but then they kind of just go back to the way it was in episode four. Last Jedi. Last Jedi. The real thumper. The real mm, big ticket yeah. item. I mean, it's very clear cut. A failure is, is very, very present. I love the, the I do lines. love the theme of failure. It's, I like yeah, how it's yeah. explored. Yeah, for sure. Just how it's explored, you know. Yes, it's, there are definitely it's, some missteps for sure. Yeah, but uh, no, I think it's very, yeah, very obvious. Like the messages surrounding you, know, like only from learning from your mistakes can you grow. You know, yes. like, you have to mm. fail to succeed. Yeah. And I think you know, uh, even Kylo Ren's story uh, takes that as well. And, yeah. and his relationship with Snoke is actually interesting, and in the and the idea of failure and how he failed in the first movie, mm. and how pathetic Snoke sees him as now, and how much Kylo Ren is like, well, I I don't even care. I came here because I was rebelling against my parents, and now you are just being a parent to me now. Yeah. Why Why should I even care about any of this? I want to move past this, but he's moving past it in like yeah. in the evil like negative direction. Yeah. I think that also plays into the whole. Once again, the idea of identity and yes. who we are. Because, you know, for the past two trilogies, we've seen um, these characters forced to grapple with, like, these titles they've been given, these identities. And in The Last Jedi, we see these characters who, in Episode Seven have these very clear identities on who they are. Um, and all of a sudden, they either reject it or are forced to contend with the fact that they don't have those identities. So, in Last Jedi? Yeah. So, yeah, so, Force Awakens, they have these identities. Yeah, There's like, no question of who they are. Yep. But then Last Jedi, yeah, all of a sudden, there exactly, is a question. Right? You've got Rey, who suddenly learns that she's not special yes. at all. No parents. She has no interesting lineage or legacy yeah, uh, and, that's in influencing her story. She yeah. just exists and is super powerful. Yeah, and Kylo Ren as well. You know, He just rejects the notion that he's the next Darth Vader. Yes. Destroys the mask, which they reforge. Which they even up reforging in the uh, Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. 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 Like, to go back on a tangent, I think the problem with episode nine is that it just <laughs> backtracks on everything that The Last Jedi says. So, I'll Have you seen it. nine now? No. Oh, okay, right. No, <laughs> yeah. I was just wasn't sure. Just, We've um, just filled a minute of time. I know. Yeah, I fair know. enough. Um, yeah, no, I had similar things around identity. Like, it's, you know, like seeking and achieving purpose and then personal identity. Because, yeah. like, even though episode eight with Finn just repeats his journey in episode seven of finding something worth fighting for, we're just like, that's... Yeah. The first one. Anyway. Yeah. yeah, it is. There's elements of, you know, sacrifice and living to fight another day. I think that's quite common across yeah. Rose and Pose. Living to fight stuff. another day is there. And then Luke, you know, coming back to Obi-Wan's sacrifice from A New Hope, he goes yeah. and sacrifices himself in yeah. what is very contentious of, of his death. Yeah. But then again, for the promise of living to fight another day. So yeah. The, the, yeah. The rebellion can continue. Yeah. That's one thing. Like there's this, there's this theme that I wish I liked in The Last Jedi and it's this idea of non-violence. And I think I've since come around to it with Luke because at the time I did not like the fact that he does not properly duel Kylo. I kind of like the fact that now he, like by the end of the film when he's self-actualized, he realizes that violence is not the answer, hate's not the answer, and basically relearns the lessons of the original trilogy. So that 
fight where he doesn't even strike a blow on Kylo. I think that's really cool. I, I, I love I just, that as well. I know. I just don't think it's executed fully well. It is all these things where it's like, oh, this moment works, this moment works. Yeah. I really love this. As a whole package, it it fails. But there are moments where, like you said, he doesn't land a hit on Kylo at all. Yeah. I think that is, you know, that should be how he starts. Yeah. Episode seven for us in mm. our rewrite is he has self-actualized. Yes, he has achieved good and he needs to prove that. Yes. Yeah. But he's not, he is not the point of the story. We've had his story. Yeah. yeah there yeah. are people who are deeply flawed and need to overcome those flaws. Mm. And I don't think it's Luke personally. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. how no, I no, it's fair. Yeah. I, I yeah. agree. Um, and I think honestly, the way Luke should be treated thematically at least is the lessons he learned. It's now time for people to try and learn that themselves. And he's a teacher. I want exactly. To a teacher. Yeah. And when he has this idea, you know, the universe is full of balance, you know, everyone can be redeemed, even the most evil. I mean, he saves space Hitler, basically. Exactly. What does the average person think about that, right? How would Ray think? How can people be redeemed when they've committed such atrocities? How can you think that there is hope in the galaxy when there's so much suffering all the time? And I think that needs to be explored. I think that can um, be the perspective of Hux and the, yeah, the First it, Order and that part exactly, of the, the yeah, Galactic and, Senate. Yeah, and even I think that should be Ray's challenge or Absolutely. whoever Luke too does. Yep. Just to end my note on the idea of nonviolence, I think where it fails is Crate mm-hmm. because you get the scene where Finn tries to sacrifice himself and then all of a sudden... Rose stops him. Rose crashes the ship into him. Yeah. And what should have happened, they both die in a fire explosion. Um, Yeah. And then as she gives this whole speech about, you know, love and acceptance and not hating, right behind them, the rebel base, boom. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, what the fuck? Yeah, and I'm like... (laughs) What the fuck's all that about? Yeah, and listen, like, I love those ideas, but firstly, I don't like Rose's character. So it's kind of just... She comes off as a really creepy fangirl who reminds me of stalkery people. Um, And (laughs) also, yeah, it's just the fact that as they advocate for love for each other, you know, they uh, she willfully lets the base explode and risks the life of everyone. That she does. What a what a film. What an interesting mm. case study The Last Jedi is. And I again, I like I always say, I love Last Jedi. It's deeply flawed, but I enjoy it the most out mm. of the sequel trilogy. It's it's one of my favorite Star Wars movies, despite its many, many flaws and the things that it ruins. Like it for sure ruins some yeah. shit. But oh well. Let's move on, I think. Time for those Skywalkers to rise. So the themes of Rise of Skywalker. I think we should skip this. Uh- <laughs> there are believe it or not, you can try and scrape some shit out. I of- wanna hear you try. So I'll scrape yeah. some some shit out of the fire right now. Defying familial expectations. Yeah. Okay. Where is that? Uh Ray. Ray who's Oh, because Palpatine's Palpatine. 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 also granddad. Ray Skywalker. She's also Ray Skywalker. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Uh the strength of community. Yep. Yep, mm. and redemption through sacrifice again. That's yeah, more of us. Bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, more of um, us. What a fucking line. Yeah, and I thought, you know what? I'll, I'll have a go at, at taking a message away from this if I can. And I was like, you are who you choose to be, not who your bloodline expect you to be. Yeah, yeah. you know that's nice. That's there. See, anyway. Yeah, anyway, let's uh, move on. Yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. god, I don't want to think about Rise of Skywalker more than I have to. Great evil will always come back. So. <laughs> there is that. There is, you know, somehow Palpatine returned. Somehow. There is something to explore there, I think, personally. Yeah, I, I think, think so. e- evil will always come back and uh, overcoming your own bloodline. So, themes and messaging and our versions of the story and what we want to do with it. Mm, our, okay. Where do we want to start this one? Um, I want to start politically. We always want to start. Okay, yeah, of yeah. course. The prequels are about, like, okay, he was the problems of, of church and state being, you, you know, united. And the uh, original is the fallout of that where it's, you know, 
its only state and there is nothing left in the universe with what was good about that, you know, that church and the messages presented. Yeah. Then if we're, here's, here's our new, you know, bad guys are defeated. We're going to rebuild the Jedi Order. We're going to rebuild the Republic. How to, how do those two things coexist? So yeah, that's the question. So I've got my first thing on the list here is fear of specifically the return of authoritarianism. Mm. And that's something that we see a lot now in like the modern world. We look at yeah. the United States and we look yeah. at a bunch of places in Europe and we go, holy shit, that's scary. Especially knowing about mm. World War II and, and Hitler. Yeah. And, and all of that authoritarianism stuff. And then there's also the role of religion in society yeah. and how to balance that. That's where I started. Yeah. And then um, I also, you know, looked at that, you know, big list of themes and, and thematic storytelling. And it's, for me, what I'm leaning towards in our rewrite, I want to tackle courage, mm. like a tale of courage, a tale of good and evil, and a tale of society, yep. which is a bit of an interesting mix of mm. the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy, which yeah. is what I believe it should be. Well, it should, yeah, we need to, we can't, we have to look at the holistically all of Star Wars that came before. Yeah. I don't yeah. want it to be a tale of love and hate, which is the Shakespearean one. I don't want it to be about those kind of like like jealousy and forbidden love and that mm. kind of thing. Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't fit right. But I do think it's a tale of society. And mm. I think exploring society through Leia and Hux and Lando and and how the Jedi and the Senate interact and yeah. and what that journey looks like. I really want to dive into yeah. that a lot. Learning from the mistakes of the past is something that I'm really yeah. gunning for. Yes. One of the things I see is like the theme of when the solution is so hard is the better answer just to go back to how it was. So ah. I think in the context of anyone who sympathizes with the Empire, right? When, <laughs> you're a fuckhead. Yeah, you're a <laughs> fuckhead. You're a fascist. Um, <laughs> eat shit. But, um, you know, as this new liberal democracy emerges and it, from the ashes of war, obviously there's going to be so many struggles, right? It's led by people who've, only really seen war for like the last 30 years. Yeah. So there are going to be mistakes. And when those mistakes start to happen, you know, most people are going to be like, well, this is shit. This is not going to work. Let's go back to the way it was. This idea of do we go back to tradition or do we progress? And I think that needs to be the crux of the political side of it. And that is literally in today's world, conservatism and, pro and progressivism. Yeah. Is progressivism, mm. is that a thing? Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it, but, it is that, you know, that, that divide. Yeah. But I would also like to add on that notion that I think the idea of compassion in general mm. yeah. should play into the political side. Oh, yeah. So the way I see it is it should start with, you know, this polarized environment where, you know, yes, the fascists are clearly the ones in the wrong and there is a good side. Um, however, fascism has risen because there's been this neglect and repression of certain elements, like maybe overlooking the outer rim, for example. And exactly. Like and yeah. I think, you know, something that we talk about a lot is no one is the villain of their own story. Yeah. Everyone is the hero of their own story. And if you're going to write a compelling villain, they have to be their own hero. They have to be the hero in the story that they're telling themselves. And trying to do that compellingly leads you more towards something like Clone Wars and less towards something like the prequels and Palpatine. I want to talk about, like, the explore the, the ongoing fight against evil, but, like, yeah, mm -hmm. breaking down what evil actually means yes um, yeah and just yeah just the whole idea of it's like you know everything's not all hunky-dory after you, you defeat the empire same as everything's not all hunky-dory after you defeat the nazis you know yes. yeah. if you ignore the same shit then it's gonna come back. i yeah. think if you ignore history the thematic statement that i've had in my head for a while now is that you should strive for balance but what mm. balance is is a constant fight against evil because yeah, that's all yeah, it is yeah. evil is always going to return yeah. evil is always yeah. going to come back yeah. and if you want to find balance you have to just fight against it yeah. forever yeah, i think yeah. we're all quite aligned on the i don't know who in the star wars world where they've landed with what their stories are and stuff like that but yeah balance eve isn't one good for one evil yeah yeah um, i think also on the notion of balance sorry if i interrupt no no not at all um i think as well you know balance it shouldn't be something that happens instantaneously and i think the way that the sequel should reframe the trilogy is that balance is something that actually happens over lifetimes. Yeah. yeah. And that should be Luke's belief, right? 
because he's come to understand that, but no one else sees it, right? Yeah. Yep. There's a good uh, Lincoln quote, I think, of like the mm. the long arc of history bends towards justice. Yeah. I think I think that's it. Yeah, I got I think, it right. That's the thing. Yeah. I think if it's, it's not, then that's a good quote anyway. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I think yeah, it's Lincoln. That's my quote. Yeah. <laughs> it's Bryce Quinn original. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it's a good quote, and it's just yeah. you know if you look at the long shape of things, yeah, and, and I think Andor does a really good job of showing amazing. this as well. It's just like yes, this rebellion yeah. and the guy. Yeah. I can't remember his name, but it's uh, the guy who's leading the rebellion. Stellan Skarsgård. Stellan Skarsgård's character. Just his just name is Stella. He Stella. he devotes his entire life to this because he's yeah. like, I know what I've done. Luther, I know what I've condemned yeah. myself to. Luther, yeah. thank you. Such a good character. And I know that I will never see the sunrise of freedom that I yearned to, to, yeah. to bring to other people. And I know the horrible things I've done yeah. to not deserve even seeing it. Yes. Oh my god, I Honestly, love Andor so and, much. Andor is such fuel for the soul. Oh my god, right. It's thematically so dense and yeah. I love it. And I think like, yeah, that whole notion of when you actually see the Rebel Alliance, the shady shit they did, mm. yeah. and also the actual battle they were up against yep. it's like holy shit Luke's victory is like crazy it's and really interesting and and having a, a faction in government say hey so the government was actually toppled by a terrorist insurrectionist yeah. movement yep. is not incorrect yeah that yeah. is what and, happened yeah and <laughs> it, yeah, it would be really interesting if in this film we did what the originals didn't what all of the extra content in the originals did was like what level of compromising on your morals does it take to defeat evil like what yes. level of yeah can you become evil? can you still be good and defeat evil yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah where, where's the line yeah, yeah. And I want to really dive into that with Leia that's the yes. character I want to have that lens put mm. on that for sure yeah one of the things that fascinates me the most about that is I'm always asking the question how did the empire transition into the new republic right because if you think about it logistically most of the members of government in just general roles right would have to transition into mm. the new republic so they would have to like rehabilitate Imperials. Yeah. Well, like the big staffing bodies, you know, it's like, you know, so, so every, the empire went and put in a governor to be in control of every yeah. planet. That's the ruler. Okay. So obviously you remove them and maybe people close to them, but yeah. then you've still got their staff of 200 people. Yeah. On that the planet. civil servants. Exactly. You've got to keep them. So society yeah. doesn't fucking crumble, but you've got exactly, to make sure yeah. that you're, I mean, money talks, let's be real. That's, that's, yeah, that's yeah. the only way you fix that is just be like, don't do evil shit and we'll pay you more. You know? Like, <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's so fascinating because what does that mean, right? Because what I envision, you know, is Mon Mothma, when she's transitioning, she has to make this difficult choice to not punish, like, 90% of the Imperials, you mm-hmm. know? Well, you, that's why, you know, we've posed the idea of, like, you know, you'd need this Nuremberg trials as yeah. a thing within the Star Wars yeah, exactly, universe where yeah. it's, like, people who were truly terrible deserve jail or death or some yes. sort of justice. But- and I think this comes right up onto the theme of the greater good, yeah. which yeah. we need to explore in the yeah, 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 because. Yeah. How do you navigate such a complex and difficult situation where yeah. you have the empire and they control society, mm. you overthrow the empire, and now yeah. you need to control society? Yeah. How do you do it without returning to that same Exactly. Evil? You know I what agree, we should yeah. do? Make more than three films. No, no. <laughs> new and or. Uh, because at the core of it, I want to just touch on this briefly. We're talking a lot about politics and like really big, wide, broad stuff. But yeah. at the end of the day, we want to make three family adventure stories mm. yeah. and that will center around main characters exploring yeah. their role in the galaxy and trying to overcome evil and they will not be this huge exploration of society and mm. like uh politics no. that and but, definitely not shooting for the stars the way the prequels did yeah but yes. they're one story you know story yeah, of an individual character could be symbolic of that exactly yeah, that, exactly that's the thing you know i think with stars you know it needs to have these lessons that are so big and stuff that a child can understand it yeah. so i think you know you need like these clear-cut archetypes of evil, good, so on and so forth. That's why, you know, the imagery of, like, the rebels, the empire, it's so clearly good yeah. and evil. and there's a reason it's iconic. Yeah, but because of these clear visuals, you know, then you can tell very ambiguous messages. Like, I think one of the best uh, examples of that in using big imagery that is yeah. symbolic and iconic 
is the clone trooper armor becoming mm, stormtrooper exactly, armor. because yeah. you watch the clone wars as a kid growing up you're like yeah. fuck yeah, i love clones I, yeah. I know so many of these guys names yeah. i'm with them and then you see order 66 they betray them the clones get phased out and the same armor is used in the same style yeah. to become stormtroopers yeah. who are fascists yeah. yeah and it's that that shift is so interesting and complex but children still understand exactly it, yeah. yeah so yeah. then you know visually you go into the like in the sequel it's like you either fully remove something like that within the universe you know any sort of like white armor and then should it ever come back up again what does that mean seeing, yeah seeing white yeah. armor what is what does that represent yeah. Yeah. and yeah. how do you use that to tell an interesting story yeah, yeah I, I agree with that um yeah and i think as well oh, i forgot what i was gonna say sorry no um no that's okay something to do with balance that will come back to me yeah. yeah anyways i just wanted to touch on that just the idea that we know how deep and and complicated and and over the top, some of these themes and ideas can go when you're exploring them. But at the end of the day, we really want to make just three concise, really good stories and tell them in script form, mm. ideally over audio format. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But uh, also, like, we'll probably put the scripts out as well. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, I remember what I was going to say. Um, I think on the notion of balance, one of the things we should see as well is just the cause and effect over a long period of time. Yeah. So, you know, I think we should see, like, one, I think the sequel should be kind of a, a union of the original trilogy and the prequels. Yes. Where we, like, finally see this universe come together because they do feel like two separate like they're two separate they're areas, two very like different they're... stories in the same universe yeah and it's, it's hard it's very strange it's hard to see them as like one cohesive story sometimes yeah and i think the sequel should kind of build in the world where we actually feel that it is the same yeah um, and kind of bridge that gap in a sense yeah and as well as that if we're building up the idea of struggle you know going over a long period of time there should be long-term consequences from things in the past so maybe you know when they integrate the empire you know they maybe they were too casual about it right for lack of a better term and maybe later on down the line that's why you know the empire can come back but even being too harsh in those sort of things like, that has its own exactly yeah all right getting yeah. to the end of the show i've got mm -hmm. one kind of interesting small minor question mm -hmm. but it's it you know presents a lot of interesting thoughts what should the time gap be between each film because the original trilogy has very small time gaps it's a year mm -hmm. and then three years between the two films and then the prequels has I think it's like 10 years or something crazy between mm. Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones and then a pretty a long, I think, three years between uh, Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. Is that correct? Something around that line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, you know, one epic scope of around 20 years and then original trilogy is like, it's five years. Five years. I yeah. think is the span of the, yeah, yeah. the whole original trilogy. Pretty well. And I think I would I would like to see ours fall somewhere in the middle there. It's hard to imagine that now just with what I've written for the first episode treatment, mm. but I'll probably have to change yeah. it anyway. So well, no, I, d I do see our trilogy taking place over a decade. A decade. A decade. Okay. Yeah, from from yeah, basically where we start seven to where we end nine. Which yeah. is pretty much in the middle between, you know, five years versus 20. I think a decade yeah. to around there. Yeah. And it's yeah. just because it's like, you know, then in universe and within the characters' lives, I want time to establish things and for them to grow in a realistic way. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I think there should be a big um, gap between the original trilogy and the sequels. In terms of in between each movie, I, I don't know how long they should be. I think it depends on the story, but I do think there should be gaps between yes. each film. Oh, there will absolutely yeah. be gaps. We're not going to, we really hate the decision in, uh, just, in The Last Jedi to begin directly after exactly. The Force Awakens yeah. because no other Star Wars movie does it and we don't think it ever should. Yeah, These are saga stories. They don't need to be yeah, told that way. And also like as a Doctor Who fan, just one thing that sucks to me is when you have doctors who don't have gaps so then expanded universe writers can't put anything <laughs> Yeah, then there's also expanded universe writers yeah. who get fucked over. Yeah, and one of the things I really want to see for the original trilogy is what the hell happened between both four and five and then five and six. There's so much that happened there. You yeah. to read the comics, mate. There's a, there's a lot of great shit. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's honestly, it's really good. Mm. Yeah. But yeah. So that was my kind of like closing question. And I think something like food for thought for us. And uh, potentially if you've got any comments, dear listeners, you can send them in and, and tell us your thoughts. But I think that's going to be the show for today, guys. Unless we've got any final thoughts. Nah. 
I think uh, one question, just like, what do you see the tone at the, of the end of nine being? Like if you were an audience member to leave our version of nine, what do you mm. want to feel? One word, Mellow. Hope. Hope? Yeah. <laughs> okay. You know, I, I honestly believe that episode nine should be the end of it all. It should be the like the mission statement of the entire series. Yeah. And I think it should be a resolute ending because I completely it, agree. Yeah. It yeah. sucks to me, right? Cause episode six already leaves us with, Oh, you know, hope that they're going to build the new Republic, that mm. things are going to happen. So you, you kind of want more. I don't want another trilogy after nine. No. Sorry, Disney. Here's um, my perspective on it. And I, I think I mentioned this uh, last night, Mello. Uh, so to me, the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy, are very much like toy story one, two, and three. Mm. They're a perfect trilogy. Mm, you yeah. don't need any more, yeah. but the sequel trilogy could be Toy Story 4, which is a very, very good movie that expands on the ideas presented before and yeah. tells a new and creative story. You don't need anything after that. Yeah, I no. think I agree. I think that's the, that's the perspective yeah. I've taken on the sequel trilogy. Yeah, because there, there is still so much story to tell, but I think that should be it, honestly. Yeah, yeah no, I want it to feel very bittersweet in terms of okay. like, you know, you wish, you, you do really wish there could be more, but you know mm. that it's like, that's it. Yeah. yeah, you can never do anything beyond this. I want it to just, feel conclusive, is, yeah. and yeah. I want it to feel. I really want to land on the sense of like, oh, balance has been brought to the force. Yeah, like yeah. we really feel it now. Yeah. yeah, honestly, the way I see it is, I think the sequel should kind of be like Lord of the Rings. Ah, uh, yeah. And honestly, yeah. episode nine should be Return of the King. Okay, I love that. Well, that's a yeah, that's the tall order. We should be able to hit really that. I think that'll yeah. be easy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, Alrighty. Well. Thank you so much, dear viewers and listeners. However you've enjoyed the show, this has been Fixing the Sequel Trilogy. Find us on everything, uh, not Twitter slash X anymore because I don't like that, but everything else. <laughs> so Spotify, Instagram, we've got a link tree with all of our different links and stuff. So go check all those out. Give us five stars and everything. Give us a like, subscribe, et cetera, et cetera. But until next time, may the force be with you.